Morning. Thank you for that response. Always looking for one or two that are bold and loud and like, good morning, right back. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, so you've picked a great day to be here. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Um, if it's your first time with us, I want to say a special welcome uh, to you. Uh, we're incredibly thankful you've chosen to spend your Sunday morning with us. And uh, I, I'm thankful to kick off a brand new series. This is week one of a series called Playlist. And uh, I believe this will be an amazing series. I'm honored to share my heart with you uh, this morning as we begin this series. And of course, we're celebrating our, our college students uh, later on, and especially rec- want to recognize our college graduates. Uh, we're going we're gonna to bring them down front and pray over them later on in the service. And, and, and we're going to baptize one of, our, one of our graduating college students, Ethan Chance. So there's a lot going on. Uh, and later on in the service, we'll, we'll see him uh, step into the waters here. So a lot going on today, but that's a good thing. Amen? That's it's a great, great day to be here. Uh, so in this series... Uh, I, I forgot to say, if you're watching online, hello to you as well. We're really glad you're with us. Uh, so in this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take a look at some, some hymns uh, and maybe some worship songs, some familiar, some not, um, maybe not so much, but all of them, all of them steeped in Scripture and foundational truths, right? That's, in, that's important. So as a worship pastor, I'm, one of my responsibilities in leading you all is, is I'm on a search constantly to find great songs. Um, I'm, on, I'm on a search to inject songs into the church because uh, part of who we are as, as a church, the DNA of the church, is we are, a, we are a church that loves corporate worship. We're a church that loves to get before the throne and sing. Amen? That's who we are. Uh, in, in, by and large, some of you guys don't like to sing. That's all right. You're singing on the inside. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're singing. Some way, somehow, you're singing. Amen? You're singing. Some way. If you ever never sing a note audibly, you have reason to sing. You have reason to sing. Amen? That, that's what I love about this series. Um, worship through song is an incredible, incredible gift to us from God. And it's our responsibility to give him the very best we can, humanly speaking, and offer him a sacrifice with the help and under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So I I love that we're doing this series, and I'm honored to kick it off uh, this morning. So today we're going to be looking at probably one of the most famous and most recognizable hymns ever written, right? It's old and yet it's not old. It's ancient, and yet it's quite new in the, in the, in the scheme of, of hymn writing history. That song is Be Thou My Vision, right? Um, who grew up singing this song in church? Anybody? Not as many as I thought. Who has never heard of this song before? I had a few that said they never heard it before. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So, Part of that is that if you grew up in a more contemporary church, you might not have been exposed to this song as much. I grew up in a little, you know, you know, backwoods, tiny little church, piano, organ, and we sang all the oldies, all the goodies, and they are good. Trust me, my hope is that in this series that you'll, you'll discover some of these songs for yourself and you'll go, wow, I need to go and discover some of these for myself. Because, because, here, nothing wrong with modern songs, we just sang a few of them. 
But, but what happens is um, we tend to, they don't, they don't stray. I, I believe that, you know, the songs that, we, you know, that I desire for us to sing, we desire for us to sing in this church, uh, are going to be founded on Scripture. All right? There, there are lots of them that aren't. Um, but something about the old hymn writers, um, there was no personal conjecture to hymn writing. There was just an open Bible and a piece of paper and the Holy Spirit, right? An open Bible, a piece of paper, and the, whole, and, the, and the guiding hand of the Holy Spirit, right? We do tend to stray from that a little bit in, in some of our mo- more modern songs. Although I, I love, as you can see, I'm a guitar player. I didn't learn how to play. I didn't grow up playing organ or anything orchestral. I, I learned to play guitar. So naturally, I'm bent towards more modern worship. But... I love the old hymns as well, and I want to introduce one of them to you if you don't know this one. There's a really cool story behind this song, and it's very complex, and it's long, but I'm going to give you the Clips Notes version this morning. The song, uh, I believe, first and foremost, this song is right up there. Theology-wise, it's right up there with Amazing Grace, and it is well with my soul, and how great thou art, and all those. It's right up there, and hopefully... We're going to play this song later on, but hopefully when you read these lyrics for yourself and you allow God to speak to you, you there's no way you not, can't come away and go and be moved, right? Something about some of the old hymns that move and stir us to, the, to our very core in a way that some of the modern songs cannot do. The story starts with St. Patrick, the St. Patrick, all right? When he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by pirates in his home country of England, uh, and he was sold into slavery in Ireland. At some point during those years in captivity, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And some years later, he managed to escape and return home to England. But there was this gnawing and, and nagging thing in, in St. Patrick's heart to return to Ireland to minister to the people that held him captive. And so he returned to Ireland some years later and became a missionary to the Irish people. He spent the rest of his days... On Easter Sunday in the year 433, it's a long time ago, 433, the local Irish king there uh, in that area issued a decree in observation of a pagan Druid festival that prohibited anyone from lighting a flame, candle, any kind of fire whatsoever. Patrick, refusing to honor anyone but Christ, stood against this king and what he stood for. That morning, Patrick risked his life and climbed the tallest hill in the area and lit a huge fire. And as people woke up that morning, they could all see the fire and Patrick's defiance of the king. But more importantly, Patrick could not hide the light of God in his heart. God's light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome, right? And he deserves honor and praise. Tradition says that uh, later on in the 6th century, an Irish poet named Dallin Forgale wrote a Gaelic poem in honor of, of St. Patrick and the events of, of 433. Years later, another unknown composer put the poem to music in honor of Patrick's heroism. Okay, so this thing has been pieced together for centuries. The, composer's name, the, the composer named the song simply Slain after the hill where Patrick shined his light, Slain Hill. You can actually still go there. Uh, years, some years ago, uh, U2 actually did a concert in, in the, in the, in the um, 
shadow of Slain Castle there in Ireland. And just a, a beautiful scenery. Obviously, it's very, very, very ancient. Uh, so the poem was eventually then discovered in 1905 by a 25-year-old named Mary Byrne, who translated it into English for the very first time and renamed it, Be Thou My Vision. And it's been sung in churches and in Christian gatherings all over the world since. So what I want to do is I want to look at the lyrics for a minute. And if you know anything about hymns, hymns are uh, categorized in stanzas. There's not verse and chorus, it's stanzas, right? Some, some have three, four stanzas, some have a whole bunch of stanzas. We're only going to look at three um, stanzas, one, three, and four, because those are the most pertinent to this morning and for the sake of time. So let's look at the lyrics real quick. And, and I have a hard time saying these lyrics without wanting to sing them, for those who know this song. All right, I'm going to try to not say it in the meter that I would sing it. That's really difficult to do, by the way. Right? Just try Amazing Grace one day, and you'll see you're saying it. You're, you're literally saying it on the meter that you would be singing it in. It's really difficult. So I'll try not to do that. It says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise, Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High king of heaven, my treasure thou art. And then the last one is the kicker. I love this one. It's my favorite one. High king of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. That is really good writing. I have a hard time explaining to you how intricate and complex and steeped in the scriptures that is. It is the, as good an example as you'll ever find in him writing of a song that ought to be sung, prayed, spoken, quoted almost daily, Right? Here's the thing I want you to notice about this hymn. It's, not, it's really not a song at all. It's a prayer. It, in fact, is a prayer. It is a prayer of a desperate person. It is a prayer who has a, of a person who is, has a sense of helplessness and hopelessness, and all hope is gone except for the person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that even in the West, where we've got our bills paid for, and you've got enough clothes, enough food, and you don't want for anything, I want you to know that you and I are in that exact same spot today. Everyone in the room, myself included, are desperate for anything, nothing, nothing else will do but the Lord Jesus. Right? I want you to know that. You don't, we don't feel our desperation like some do around the world. We don't feel our desperation like our, our, some of our brothers and sisters in continental Africa or over in the Ukraine or in Afghanistan or in a lot of other places. You and I don't feel the weight of our own desperation, but I promise you it's there. I promise you. Just under the surface of our nice clothes and our, and our padded bank account and our vacations and our food 
We're already thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch. I promise you, this is not a guilt trip because I'm right with you. We're on the same exact boat this morning. We are desperate for Jesus. We're desperate. And there is the only person, the only person that will yank us out of our desperation is the Lord Jesus. My prayer is that today we will wake up, church. Understand, the ruler of all loves you and me. And he's come to meet with us this morning. As I read those lyrics, I've been reading them all week. And I have gotten my hands on about 100 different versions of this song. All good. All good. And I can tell you the lyrics have been playing in my head for a little over a week. The first thing I want you to see in these lyrics is that God is our light. God, our light. It it focuses in on God being light. That that the the uh, the juxtaposition in Scripture of light versus dark. Right? It's all there. The first thing that we see is that this is a prayer that God be our light. That God be our light. That we we don't. we don't allow our own selves or anyone else to illuminate the path for us. That God is our light. This is incredibly important, not only to the meaning of the song, but for our lives as well. Um, have you ever uh, seen anyone uh, walking with the, with the assistance of a guide dog? Maybe they're blind and they've got a guide dog and or at least a guide dog and maybe a person beside them. Well, there's a, there's a sweet lady that lives in our neighborhood. And we see her out walking occasionally, and it's fascinating to watch. Those, those guide dogs are amazing animals, by, by the way, right? They are. they are. They are a gift from God. They are a gift from God. It's amazing to watch them and how smart they are and how alert they are. Well, we'll watch, I'll watch this, this, uh, this lady walking the neighborhood, and she's got her, her dog, and she's also got her husband there. And, and when they get to an intersection or... Uh, if they haven't got to an intersection and, and a, a car is coming, e- any direction, any direction, when the car is coming, the dog sits. The dog sits right then and there. And then you can see the husband whisper something to his wife. There's a car coming, you know, whatever he's saying, you know, is a car, car on your left, you know, coming to our left or something or behind us. Or you can see him speaking to her the entire way. When they'll, and, and as soon as the car passes, if it's me or someone else, they'll, they'll go on their way. But the, the dog is alert and watching at all times, and so is the husband. The dog is her vision. She cannot see the next step. She can't anticipate it, but the dog can. Her husband is the voice guiding her. Her husband is voice. And the dog is, her, is certainly her vision. And we all need one in here this morning higher than us to be our vision. And we need a, his voice speaking to us every step of the way. We need him desperately to guide us, to encourage us, to instruct us, to be our eyes and our voice when our vision fails, which is more than we think. But quite frankly, you know, we're not going to make it without him. The biggest, the biggest 
problem that we have to overcome in the church is a sense of self-reliance. Listen to me. The biggest problem that you and I face, especially in this country, and and especially in the church, is a sense of self-reliance. We've grown up in the church. We know the stuff, a lot of us. We know it up here. And and what we do is we put this thing on autopilot. We become a little pious. We become a little little self-righteous. Like we've got it together, right? Like we no longer need the voice of God. Like, you know, I've heard, I've heard God's voice enough. I think I can kind of just do it myself now, which is the biggest lie the enemy would have you believe. We need him now more than ever. Christian, believer, that have, that's been a believer for 50 years, you need him now more than ever. I need him now more than ever. Psalm 119, I love Psalm 119, starting in verse 105. Psalm 119 Verse 105 is kind of the, the pillar of scripture of this, of this song. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it. I will follow your righteous laws. You have, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your will. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. Verse 111, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Notice, notice in here how many times the writer, presumably David, talk about keeping God's law, keeping God's law. The way for God to lead us and to be our vision is to keep God's law, to keep his word, to know his word, to steep our lives in it. The word is a lamp. The word of God is a lamp that lights the path. So the first thing we see in this song is that Christ, that that God is our light. Secondly, that Christ is valued above all. The second theme of this song is really connected to the first one. We see this Christ being valued above all in the third and fourth stanzas. Here's here's how it reads. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only art first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. And then stanza four, again, high king of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. He's making it crystal clear here that Christ is above all. That Jesus is worthy of everything and his worth is more than anything. That Jesus is worthy of everything and his worth is more than anything. The worthiness and worth of Christ. That's what the church is founded on. Amen? The worthiness and the worth of Christ. He is worthy whether we acknowledge it or not. And he is worth more than anything whether we acknowledge it or even know it or not. And here we sit today pondering the worth and the worthiness of Christ. He is Lord the, 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 the author is saying he is Lord of his life. He's ruler. And he values Christ above everything, including his own life. Man, in case he prayed this earlier, you know, 
the, the, the vast majority of the songs that you and I sing, we cannot sing honestly. We can't. We cannot sing these songs honestly. We want to get there. And, and God's okay with that. God's okay with us not being able to sing these songs honestly for now. But I promise you this, God wants our hearts to evolve and, and progress and get to the point where you and I can say with all honesty, he is ruler of all. Okay, so he's ruler of all anyway. So we, this is acknowledging something that's, all, that's fact. But did you know that Jesus can be ruler of all and not be ruler of you? Jesus can be ruler of all and not be ruler of your heart. If we're honest, if we're honest, most of us are in that boat. If we're honest, the cares of the world have taken the throne of our lives. Our family has taken the throne of our lives. Look, your family's a great thing. God gave you your family. We say it all the time. You better not be worshiping your family more than you worship the Lord Jesus. Right? You better not spend your days figuring out how you can make your family better without spending your days in worship to the Lord. Right? We, we, we put these things in order and then things fall into place. The supremacy of Christ, the rule of Christ cannot be sidetracked and sidestepped. In Philippians chapter 3, I want you to turn there with me real quick. In Philippians 3, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is take, talks in great de- detail about the infinite worth of Christ. In fact, he says everything else compared to Christ is garbage. Listen to me. He says everything else in comparison to Christ is garbage. Now, everything's not garbage. But in comparison... To knowing Christ, he says everything is worthless. Might as well throw it away. If it takes supremacy in my life, it is a danger to my heart. Philippians 3, 7 through 10 says, But whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Become like him in his death. This is the essence of of the song, Be Thou My Vision. That in and of myself, I am blind, helpless, hopeless, lost, dead and gone. Blind, helpless, hopeless, lost, dead and gone. I don't bring anything to the table. You and I don't bring anything to the table. We don't. We bring our sin to the table. That's what we bring. We bring our desolation to the table. And if that sounds really harsh, it is the truth. The good news is is that Jesus brought everything to the table. 
You and I bring nothing. Now, the one component, the one component that God has so graciously allowed us to even have, and we don't really have ownership of that, the one component this morning for you and for me is submission. You got to say yes, as my good friend Jack says. You got to say yes. You got to say yes. You got to say yes. Even the ability to say yes comes from God. You got to trust God. Be thou my vision is a prayer that I think should be prayed daily. We desperately need God to be our eyesight, our light in the darkness of this life. We need him to be our strength and our shield. We need him to be the voice that guides us, the voice that we listen to. We really, really need to learn to listen. And we really need to learn how to submit. We need the Lord for every single breath we take. It's, it, it is literally that bad. <laughs> it's literally that desperate. No, but Jesus is not going to leave you in your desolation. He's come. He came a long time ago. And he's come here today to deliver me and you to be the way. Jesus says, I'm the way. You don't know the way? Look to me. Don't grope around in the dark. Don't squint with your own eyes under your own power trying to make things line up and and, and bring things into focus. That'll never work. The application for this morning is, uh, is, is two things. Number one, we need to put our trust in Christ again to submit our plan and our way and our thoughts and our thinking and our lives to Christ and allow him to open our eyes. But not so that we can depend on ourselves or have a, be a better version of ourselves or you know, have a more sense of uh, independence from him, but to understand as we progress and as we grow in Christ, the more we need him. I think, I think the closer someone gets to God, in a weird sense, the further away they think they are sometimes. Does that make any sense? I think the closer someone gets to God, the more wretched they feel. Paul said this. He said, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the worst there is. Obviously, he was not the worst sinner there is. This is the, Paul, the great Paul. He's in prison for preaching. And he says, I'm the worst sinner there is. He's, no, you're not. That's the, way he, that's, that's the way he feels about himself. Because he understands the, the worth and the worthiness of Christ is so vast and great and huge. And I'm so far down here, I need Christ for every breath. You see, do you see how this works? You see how this works every day of our lives. The closer we get to God, the more in need we, uh, of him we become. And that's a good thing. Because our, 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 our security no longer is our us. Our security is no longer how much money we're pulling in, uh, uh, you know, per year. Or our security is... is isn't, isn't uh, a social circle or anything else. I, I'm not knocking any of those things because those are blessings from God and you better be on your knees thanking God for them every day. But not at the cost of the worthiness and the worth of Christ. Those things, in comparison, are worthless. So the first thing is, is to put our trust in Christ again. The second thing is to pray this prayer, Right? You can Google the lyrics of Be Thou My Vision if you don't have it. 
Pray this prayer. Let that kind of be the prayer for you this week. Pray this prayer. The last line, we repeat it. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. In the ups and downs, in the good and the bad, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Jesus is most certainly ruler of all, but is he ruling your heart this morning? I'm going to call the band up, and uh, we're going to play a version of this song for you. But not simply merely for you to listen to. Um, It'd be easy for us to listen to a song. You don't want to be the first one to come up, do you, Casey? It'd be easy for us to listen to a song, church, and take it in and go, oh, that's a great version of that song. Oh, man, I love the drums, or I love the... You know, this is an upbeat version of this song, and you'll like it. But what, I re- what we really want mostly for you is to take these lyrics in. To take these lyrics in. Sit where you are. We're not going to ask you to sing. I want you to sit where you are and let these lyrics wash over you. To think about what it means for you in your heart. And think about what the writer must have felt like as he wrote, as he penned these words. Be thou my vision. I'm blind, lost, helpless, hopeless. I need you. I need you more than anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for your presence here. And we're thankful that we don't have to do life on our own. We're thankful that you are our vision. We're thankful for that you are the voice that guides us. Because sooner or later, no matter how independent we may feel right this second, there's going to be a day or there might be, we might be in the middle of that right now where we feel helpless. We feel our own depravity. We feel our own lostness. Father, every day, my prayer is that we would feel our own lostness every day, that we would feel it every day, down to the core of who we are, that we would feel our great need for you, that we would never forget how much we desperately need you, ever, that when our own self-sufficiency pops up, that that sin of self-worth or self-help or uh, pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps, when that creeps up in our lives, God, knock us back to the ground. Knock us, to put us on our face to where we can fully submit to you. Not 80%, not 50%, the entire thing. And that convicts me to the core because I live very little of my life 100% committed to you. But today I commit to you. I resubmit to you. I resubmit my life to you. Be my eyesight. Be the voice that I listen to more than above all others. Help me to recenter my heart onto you. And, and if anything, Lord Jesus, has taken your place on the throne of my life, remove it, move, remove them, remove it all. We, I place you back on the throne of my life. We love you. And we give you this offering. In your name we pray.